This is a production of WEDU-PBS, Tampa, St. Petersburg, Sarasota. Coming up next, Florida's official marine mammals, the manatees, are dying this year at an alarming rate. In a moment, we'll take a look at what's causing their deaths and what can be done to save these gentle giants. Next, on Florida This Week. Welcome back. 2021 has been a deadly year for the Florida manatee. More than a thousand of these gentle creatures have died since the beginning of the year, largely due to the decline of seagrass. Only about 7,500 manatees still live along Florida's coastline, and the death rate means more than 13% of the total population perished in just 11 months. At the current rate, Florida's manatee population faces extinction in just a few short years. Producer James Borchuk shows us what organizations on both sides of Tampa Bay are doing to protect these iconic Florida mammals. Our Manatee Critical Care Center is really important because we give manatees a second chance at life. We get you know, sick and injured animals, and we just really want to help them get better and get them back out. It's akin to someone being picked up in an ambulance and then you figure out where's the closest hospital. So the goal of the David A. Straz Manatee Critical Care Center is to rescue, rehab, and release injured, orphan, and sick manatees back to Florida waters. Some have been here for almost two years and some just came in the door yesterday. This year we'll probably have more than a thousand manatees die. A large portion of those because of starvation um, on the East Coast. Environmental changes have led to a, to a dieback in seagrasses, which is their primary food. Manatees eat 10 to 15 percent of their body weight every single day. I think right now we've been averaging about 1,200 pounds of food a day. 50% of their diet is usually romaine lettuce, and then we'll supplement with some endive and escarole lettuce as well. Um, it has to be restaurant quality. Um, we order it every day from a produce company, and we want to make sure that it's the best they can get. Manatee calves can be very challenging. When they get here, our first hope is that they have a nursing response. When I'm feeding a baby manatee and you know they're kind of tucked up against me, I, my first thought usually is just, I'm so thankful that you were found. I'm just you know praying that the manatee is gonna take on to nursing and kind of continue on those stages of life that we need it to get through so we can release it back. Whoa! Why I'm really excited right now is that our calf, Tober, the two and a half weeks that he has been here has not accepted a bottle and this was his first finishing the bottle. So that's like a really big step in his development. We kind of feel all the emotions here in our critical care center because you go through kind of that that recovery with them. Just being where he was, where he is now, that's just, it's awesome. We know that we need more critical care centers in order to keep doing what we're doing. Mm -hmm. 
This entire site is gonna be a dolphin, whale, and manatee rehab site. We're gonna add these additional pools which will specifically be for manatees. I was just talking to one of our biologists over on the East Coast. She is already beginning to see emaciated manatees show up at those power plants. So we expect 2022 to be as bad, if not worse, as 2021. Now we're sort of at a potential tipping point if we're having so many manatees die. It's gonna be really important that not only do we maintain the existing capacity to rescue and rehab these animals, but also expand it like what we're doing right here. If we don't, it is almost certain that that population, particularly on the East Coast, will begin to decline. We recently got a new manatee in. He's definitely a really critical case. Probably one of the skinniest cases I've seen in my, my time here. Definitely has kind of a peanut, we call it a peanut head, that kind of sunken in shape. They have kind of what looks like hand bones like we do, so you could definitely see the outline of those bones. And yeah, he's gonna definitely take some time. And you know, we're very optimistic here. We know we are in a rehab setting and that at any point in time, things can change on an animal's health. We don't give up hope. Our team is 100% dedicated. So there's a lot of things that individuals can do to help the manatees. If you're a big boater, you need to watch out for them. You need to slow down in manatee zones. You know, wear polarized sunglasses, try to have a spotter on board. Pick up some trash if you're ever along the beach, because all of that can enter the waterway and not only affect manatees, but other animals. Don't throw your fishing line out into the ocean. Make sure you pull that back in. We need to be very aware about water quality, reducing the amount of uh, fertilizers that you use. Anything that you hear about that increase nutrient load, you know, in the marine, marine environment. I'm hopeful things will get better. I don't think it's gonna happen overnight. I do think really just getting the awareness out there that manatees need our help. You know, they're just really great animals. They're just majestic when you see them. And when you see them up close, it's really something. We love when guests come to the zoo. I feel like we've touched lives when they come here and we want people to continue to come here and so they can bring their children and their grandchildren. And if we, as a society, you know, cannot protect these animals right here in our own backyard, well, shame on us because it can be done and it should be done. They're just a wonderful animal that I hope we keep around forever. Just beautiful pictures. So what's being done to protect the manatees in Florida? Joining us now are Craig Pittman, an award-winning Florida journalist. He writes a weekly column on the environment for the Florida Phoenix. He's written six books and is the co-host of the podcast, Welcome to Florida. Martine DeWitt is a veterinarian with the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission. She monitors manatee health in Florida and is responsible for the rescues of sick and injured manatees across the state. Information from these rescues helps inform manatee managers in their conservation efforts. And Jacqueline Lopez is an attorney with the Center for Biological Diversity. She is the group's Florida director and is part of a suit that was filed against the owners of the Piney Point Reservoir in Manatee County, which had a mass of toxic spill last summer. Thank you all for joining us. Great to have you here. Good to be here. Well, Craig, let's start with you. I want to ask you, is it too much to say that manatees are heading for extinction? Did I overdo it at the top of the show? I mean, Buddy Powell said that we're tipping point. How close are we? 
Um, you know, it, it, I think a lot depends on what happens this winter. If we have a cold winter, a prolonged cold, and the manatees are forced into the uh, areas where they need refuge from the cold and there's not enough for them to eat, then I think we're going to see uh, a die-off as bad, perhaps worse than the one we're having now. And uh, that just really worries me about the future of manatees in Florida. Um, the the They're such a popular and uh, well-known uh, animal here in Florida and the fact that we can't do enough to protect them we can't be bothered apparently to to clean up our waterways and avoid polluting them and causing uh, the loss of seagrass and costing ourselves these these iconic animals is just a real disappointment for me as far as uh, as far as a Floridian and Jacqueline what do you think are, are we on the verge of seeing perhaps the extinction of these creatures I think that there's a real threat in front of us for manatees that we are down the wrong path. It's gonna take a very long time for that population on the East Coast to recover and for that habitat, which is very important for the overwintering of manatees in the Atlantic population to recover. So to rebuild the seagrass, to clean up the waterways is a multi-decade endeavor that Floridians need to prioritize if we wanna see Florida manatees in the future. Okay, so a lot of these deaths did occur last last winter, uh, in uh, just off the Indian River uh, shores. Uh, Martine, let me ask you, what's the range of manatees? Because we talked about the East Coast die-off, but but for people that live around Florida, where are the major parts or uh, spaces where manatees come in? The major estuaries that they they uh, gather. Yeah, manatees are the subspecies that we have here, the Florida manatee, and in summertime, they are everywhere. Coastal waters, inland waters. They also venture out um, outside of the state, so you can find animals as far as uh, Texas on the Gulf Coast and as far uh, north as the most northern manatee has been seen in Massachusetts in earlier years. Um, But in the winter time, that's when manatees come back to to Florida and to uh, springs and um, um, discharges from, from power plants to stay warm. So that is really their winter habitat when they're restricted to those warm water sites. And I've seen them uh, off the waters of downtown St. Pete. Uh, so Craig, do you have a favorite place to view manatees? Um, a great place, a place I've taken my kids is the Tampa Electric Company, uh, Tico uh, manatee viewing area over in Apollo Beach. Uh, one one post-Christmas time whenever we didn't really have any money and the the power was out, the heat was out in our house. We drove over there and watched the manatees, uh, watched about 300 manatees all gathered together in the Tico viewing area for free, I might add. So that was that was an added bonus. And it was it was quite magical. One of my kids actually said it was better than video games. <laughs> so uh, I want to ask you about the, the starvation of the manatees. And Jacqueline, this one to you. What is causing the seagrasses to die off in such big numbers? And is it a problem just in the Indian River area, or is it a problem around Florida? Water quality is an issue throughout Florida, but what we saw in 2021 was a a massive failure to protect that ecosystem from nutrient pollution. Scientists have been monitoring the northern Indian River Lagoon for the last decade and predicting that there would be an ecosystem collapse in the form of um, tens of thousands of acres of seagrass dying as a consequence of harmful algal blooms, which are fueled by nutrient pollution, which is 
our euphemism for describing pollutants that enter the waterway like phosphorus and nitrogen in the forms of uh, ammonia and, and other things that can create these proliferations of algae, which then make conditions for seagrass really difficult. And uh, that's what we saw here. So when manatees went into that part of the estuary last winter when the temperatures dropped, expecting their tens and thousands of acres of seagrass to sustain them while they had to hunker down and seek out that warmer water, there just was no seagrass available or insufficient seagrass available. And so many hundreds of manatees succumbed to malnourishment and starvation. So is it leaking sewer pipes? Is that part of the problem? Well, right now there's been what's called an unusual mortality event declared, and that's what happens when you have a large number of marine mammals that suddenly die in a short period of time. So the there are investigators between the Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, National Marine Fisheries Service, and other agencies are working together to try to pinpoint the exact causes. But we do know that that part of the lagoon is uh, suffers from sewage, like outright sewage discharges, um, nearly a half million gallons just in 2020, but historically discharges any time, just like on the West Coast in, in the Tampa Bay area, when we have really wet weather, there's these discharges of untreated sewage, there's leaky septic, there's runoff. So um, because of land use, the way that we use our land, our inability to keep nutrients on the land and they end up in the water, it's a combination of all of those sources. So fertilizer runoff, when you say runoff, you're talking about fertilizer runoff. Fertilizer, pesticide, um, even even from our, our emissions, you know, the, the atmospheric nitrogen, there's, there's all kinds of sources. And so scientists are um, parsing that out and figuring out what we can do better. Craig, Craig if, if seagrasses are dying off, are other species affected? So we, we worry about manatees, but does it also affect other species? Yeah, I think manatees are sort of the canary in the coal mine, sort of a marine mammal version uh, for what's happening for, for these estuaries as a whole, that uh, seagrasses, which are so important to their uh, feeding, are really important as far as being nurseries for other types of, of uh, aquatic animals, uh, fish, crabs, etc. And so if you lose those seagrasses, then you're losing those sort of nursery areas for those commercially important species. So, uh, you know, th the loss of seagrass is just a... a it's not just an environmental uh, disaster for us, it's an economic disaster as well. Martin, we saw some harrowing pictures, a uh, video of, of emaciated uh, uh, manatees, and I'm just wondering, once they get that emaciated, how hard is it to bring them back? It is extremely hard. Um, these manatees um, did not get this thin overnight. And some of them um, have maybe experienced months and months of suboptimal uh, forage. Uh, so what we're seeing here on the Atlantic coast is uh, the effects of prolonged starvation. And um, it, it is really something that we've never documented before in, uh, in manatees. Of course, you can get uh, emaciated from disease or chronic trauma. But what we're seeing here is that it is really pure starvation. And um, you have large um, manatees that have decades of experience of using the Indian River Lagoon, not only in winter, but also in summertime. And these animals are wasting away. And internally, we've found that their organs are, um, sign, are, are showing signs of atrophy. 
um, they stop reproduction, um, and you know, ultimately they, they succumb to uh, the effects of starvation. And uh, uh, Jacqueline, what about restoring seagrasses? I know that sea, the seagrass in Tampa Bay too was coming back and then it had a setback recently. Uh, so are, are, is our state government doing enough to restore seagrasses so that we, we're not seeing these animal species wiped out? Seagrass restoration is something that we need to approach holistically. So it's not a matter of just plugging new seagrass in the ground and hoping that we're going to have a different result. If we don't get a handle on nutrient pollution, we're going to continue to see these significant declines in seagrass. So you're right, Tampa Bay um, went on this wonderful path to recovery and had been making a, a great progress over the last few decades with seagrass restoration. And just this last year, we had the, the Piney Point disaster. And um, there's real concern that we're going to see a setback in recovery in the estuary. Martine, do, uh, do manatees eat plastic bags? Because I see a lot of plastic bags flying around in the air as I drive, people tossing them out of cars. When that plastic bag ends up in a waterway, do manatees view that as food? Yeah, and they, they don't eat it on purpose. Um, you know, you can have marine debris that's laying on the bottom and manatees ingest it accidentally when, when foraging. Um, sometimes manatees may be curious and are playing with something that's floating. So we, uh, we do see manatees um, ingesting any kind of debris um, that is in their environment. Um, it's not always lethal. Uh, sometimes it's small enough or most often it's small enough that they will just uh, process it and, um, and um, it gets excreted through their uh, GI tract again. But um, we have documented cases where it can be lethal. Uh, when you have a fishing line that damages their, their gut or you have hooks penetrating through their gut wall, um, you can um, have serious complications from that ingested debris. So I'm sure a lot of people watching this might say, uh, well, if they're starving, I'm going to go out in my boat dock when they come up uh, my, uh, you know, my estuary or my, my river, Craig, and uh, they'll toss out a head of lettuce or something. Is it a good idea to feed manatees on your own? No, no. Uh, you don't want manatees to become uh, accustomed to getting food from people, especially off their docks, because think about what else is at the dock boats and so if they start to hang around areas where boats are they're liable to be hit more often by boats and also you want them to not get trained to expect food from humans you want them to look for their own food i mean these are wild animals and and uh feeding wild animals generally does not end well um so it's it, but it's an issue that i think that you know people want to want to do something to help and they feel like that's something they can do, it, but it's just a really bad idea for, for individuals to do that. Martine, what do you think about humans feeding uh, manatees on their own? Yeah, in addition to the concerns that Craig already mentioned, um, it's illegal. Manatees are protected species, and it's against the law to uh, uh, harass them, and feeding is considered um, harassment. Well, speaking of protected species, have manatees been downgraded recently, Craig? Yes, uh, four years ago, uh, at the at the in the early 
stages of the Trump administration, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service declared manatees were no longer endangered and that they were threatened now, and they uh, did what they called downlisting them. Uh, they did this over the objections of a number of scientists they had asked to comment on the proposal. Uh, and uh, now that we've seen so many of them die this year, quite a few people in Congress and other, uh, uh, other positions are calling for them to reconsider that idea and to say, well, okay, maybe we were wrong. Maybe they, maybe they are endangered. I, 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 it struck me as very odd the way they did the, the downlisting. Manatees, when they were first put on the endangered list in 1967, the very first endangered species list, they were put there because of the loss of habitat to uh, waterfront development and the threat from being run over by boats and because of water quality issues. And those are all three issues that are still with us today. Those are still threats to the manatees. But the Fish and Wildlife Service had done a computer model that they said, oh, well, our computer model shows that uh, everything's hunky-dory with manatees now and they're going to be fine and they're going to persist. And um, you know what they say about computers, garbage in, garbage out. (laughs) So, uh, Jacqueline and Martine, we've been talking about boats for a little bit. Uh, As I go to Crystal River, if I'm paddling on the Hillsborough River, I never see a manatee without scars on its uh, back from boat propellers. Uh, How dangerous are boats and people operating boats uh, poorly uh, to these manatees? And and, uh, Jacqueline, let's start with you. Boat strikes remain about 20% of the sources of mortality to manatees, with the exception of this year and in 2018 when red tide was bad. So on on typical years, boats kill about 20% of the manatees that die. And it's usually from being struck um, by the boat, not even necessarily the propeller, but being um, impacted by the hull. And that's because the boat is going too fast for the manatee to get out of the water. Manatees can get out of the way. They just need a little bit more time to do it, time and space. And um, Florida is also the deadliest state for uh, folks in boats. So we have more fatalities by boat accident than any other state. Florida is also a state where you don't need a driver's license to drive a boat the way that you do a car. Um, And a boat is like a car without brakes. And so... We need to be doing a little bit more to require increased education and awareness for some of our boat drivers that aren't required to have boater education, those that were born before 1989 don't need that sort of education in Florida, and to be educating them about marine wildlife specifically and, and why it's important to obey those slow speed signs and be on a lookout for manatees when you're using Florida waters. Whatever the waters are, there's likely a manatee in them. And Martine, what else would you tell boaters that they should be careful of? Uh, when it comes to manatees? Uh, Always be aware manatees are around. Uh, In the summertime, they can be anywhere. Of course, they are the posted speed speed zones where you uh, restrict your speed. But even if you're outside of those, manatees can be anywhere. They can be resting, foraging, especially in the shallow areas. So uh, it's always good to have a spotter on the boat, wear polarized glasses uh, to look out for manatees. So they can be in the river in the summertime in June, even though the, the Gulf is warmer. Correct. Yep. Yeah. All right. So we're down to the last minute and a half. Craig, I want to ask you, what can people do? What more can people do to help save the manatee? Uh, one really important thing they can do is buy the Save the Manatee license plates. Those help to finance the, uh, the research that's done into the, the causes of their death, to their, their uh, abundance, their location, that kind of thing. 
Uh, I know it sounds, it's very Florida that we pay for our scientists by selling license plates, but that's what we do in Florida. Uh, for manatees, for panthers, and so forth. And so if you really want to help the manatees, that's a big thing you can do right there. All right. And, uh, Martine, what else can people do? Uh, the manatees that we saw at the beginning uh, in rehab, they were all reported to us by the people in Florida. That's how we learned that manatees need assistance. Um, so anyone in Florida, if you see a uh, sick or injured or manatee in distress, even a dead manatee, please report them to the statewide wildlife alert hotline. Uh, that number is 1-888-404-3922. Um, and that way we can get in touch with um, the people who report the manatees and respond when needed. And Jacqueline, we have 20 seconds. What else should people do to save the manatees? Let your elected officials know that water quality is a priority for you, that we have the laws on the books already. They just need to be enforced to keep our water clean, which is going to benefit humans and manatees and all of the other biodiversity we have in Florida. Well, Jacqueline Lopez and Martine DeWitt and Craig Pittman, thanks a lot for coming on this program and thank you for the work that you do. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Well, for more information on the efforts to save manatees in Florida, you can go online to zootampa.org and view the various ways you can help out. You can also go to the Clearwater Marine Aquarium website at cmaquarium.org and see the ongoing progress of their new rescue facility in Tarpon Springs. Thanks for joining us. You can view this and past shows online at wedu.org or on the PBS app. Stay safe. Have a great holiday weekend. We'll see you next week. Florida This Week is a production of WEDU, who is solely responsible for its content.